Yep. 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 Hi, I'm Elena Moose. This this is Milo, who's decided to invade. Um, yes, I'm James's fiance. <laughs> Yeah. Hi. <laughs> I'm Jess. <laughs> um, I'm Ailey Weichel. <laughs> I, I'm doing well, and thank you for having me on. I had a whole, like, I was going to tell you what I was reading, but I'm, I'll just say, hi, I'm Jake. Very happy to be here. Um, what, what are my credentials? Uh, former AP environmental science student, I guess. And uh, I guess I live here. So um, there you go. Yes. Um, I, not yet, I, I don't know, <laughs> sorry, I'm kind of nervous. <laughs> Thank you. 
think in terms of like both of those I think it's important to balance the two of them um, I think you can't I mean obviously humans have to live and we have to use resources that's just the nature of it so there's no way we can just set aside all land and not touch anything um, but I think it's important to have those areas and to appreciate those areas because um, we do need some of that natural growth um, and that natural life cycle going on, whereas conservation is obviously important because we do need to use those resources, but it's important to learn how to use them carefully and understand that they're not all going to last forever. Um, and so I just think it's important to balance the two, and you don't necessarily have to lean one way or the other. I mean, um, they're both good concepts and kind of like what Jess was saying, it is a balancing act. I think we both, given the um, like the current state of things, just like it's New York is underwater, Chicago might be underwater, the Seattle, it's 110 degrees, it's the hottest it's ever been. I think it's important that we do, um, you know, take bold steps to do both of them. I don't think it's an either or. Um, I think we have to preserve what we can and conserve what we can. Um, well, because we are humans, we do have to use our resources um, just to live. That's kind of how life works. Um, I think it's our duty to like do it as um, efficiently as we can. That's that's really all I've got to say. Uh oh. Yeah. James said that he's he specifically can't hear you, Pat. Like he said you're yes, he said you're basically inaudible. <laughs> Especially since you're doing most of the talking. Nah, it's okay. We don't really need he to hear him. Hear me. Okay, let's do that. Okay. So everyone should be able to pick me up now. Apologies, apologies. I'm still learning this production stuff. So um, no, I mean, I absolutely agree. I think, again, it, it is going to be a balancing act. Uh, I personally very much follow like the idea of stewardship in the sense that we need to take care of the planet um, and use it for our means, but our means include making sure that we're able to survive here because if we just turn it into a hellscape, I don't think it's going to uh, help anybody. Um, you know, and, and I think, uh, I, I think Aileb, you and I were, were discussing uh, uh, proper uses of the environment and like what you can do yourself regarding like recycling and things of that nature. So I was wondering if you could touch on that a little bit. Um, yeah, so I think with the recycling, it's just so a, such a broad concept and it's such a big thing that everyone's concerned about. So it's, it's hard to cover it all. But um, I think just what I've learned through many different um, tunnels is just that, you know, we have to use our resources wisely. Um, so like, obviously like plastic, that's not, 
it's kind of hard to use that because you can recycle that, but it's it's kind of hard to do that. So when you're thinking of um, reducing, reusing, and recycling, like all three of those are really important. I think the main thing we need to focus on is just reducing that waste. Um, so since like you know, obviously plastic kind of really hard to reuse that and and melt it down and recycle that. So I think just reducing that use of that um, material would be beneficial for the environment. But um, like glass and metal, those those materials can be recycled over and over and over again. And there's really nothing that changes the composition of that. It's still going to be like the perfect material. You could melt it down however many times and you could still use it. Um, paper, you can use that again too. You know, it gets weaker and weaker, but you know, I think we need to focus on using more materials that we know that we can reuse um, in a sustainable way instead of just contributing more and more to this, this waste problem that we have on the planet. So even though like plastic is a very, it's a really convenient and easy to use material, I think we need to try to go back away from, a step back from um, the life of convenience and um, you know cheap things and try to work really hard and use the materials that we know for a fact that we can reuse again. Absolutely. So that's just my little No, tip I mean I, I think you're I think you're hundred percent on and, and anyone that wants to jump in at any time is more than welcome to. Um, I was I, I also sent I think an article to, to Jake and Ailey as well regarding there's this um, new organism or relatively new it's been just it was discovered about five years ago. Uh, but they're still doing research on it that uh, like dissolves plastic within under 10 hours. Um, Is it like the seen, mushroom? Yeah, it's, it's a, I, I've yeah. heard mushroom, I've heard bacteria, um, because apparently there's two different that have been discovered. Mm -hmm. There's one oh. like in South America, and then there's one in Japan, which is the one that I sent um, to Jake and Ailey. Uh, but the mushroom, I, if I'm recalling correctly, can actually be either turned into fuel or... Uh, or like, or, or fertilizer or something like that. It's similar to like how biomass functions. So it's like not super efficient fuel, but like, you know, you can light a fire with it. <laughs> kind of, kind of deal. So, which is an interesting, like just discovery there that if we were to turn plastic into something that can effectively be recycled, then that, you know, it's, it's a great, honestly, solution, especially considering how many landfills we have. Mm -hmm. um, like what was the name of that, that one, that big hill? Like it started with black or something like that. Um, Oh, Blackwell. Yeah, Blackwell. Uh, out in Warrenville? Yeah. The old, uh, it was the old Chicago trash dump out in western DuPage County. Um, they did this big trash dump, and they've done well with it. They they uh, they shut it down, and has, they've turned it into a beautiful park. But, yeah, we uh, we grew up in, in the shadow of what's uh, locally called Mount Trash. <laughs> yes. I mean, hey, and that's a, that is an interesting use of it. You know, like turning it into turning it into a park is, you know, I think the ingenuity cannot be right. Okay. And and like even closer to home, um, in our hometown of Batavia, in the next town over Geneva, um, there is uh, what's called Settlers Hill, which is mm -hmm. another big dump that they've also, I think, mostly shut down. Um, and the county forest preserve owns the property now, and they're they've turned it into a golf course, and they're gonna um, do forest preserve on part of it, and then like a, a state of the art cross country course. Um, on it as well. Um, I don't know if that's is anyone familiar for. with like the issues with that? Because I, I mean, I'm just I don't know. I'm just spitballing here that like maybe like there could be some CO2 buildup and cause like a cave in or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, yeah, Jeff, you do have um, to be careful. Like I know that you have to be really careful because they have to use certain linings and everything to make sure all yeah. the like 
acids and that stuff doesn't seep through. <laughs> so, like, especially when you're digging, you have to be careful not to puncture puncture um, holes in it. And it is, I mean, it's still on a pile of garbage, and so there's just... Right. Just things, I mean, naturally, you have to be a bit more careful, but I know in Brookings, South Dakota, they also did, like, a nature park based on a, that's on a landfill, and um, it's really popular. Yeah. And then, uh, and... I believe that some portions would break down easier than others, so you'd probably have to be careful of, like, sinkholes and those kinds yeah. of things as well. Yeah, there, there, there's generalized, like, you know, toxic leakage of what, what Jess was saying, and and um, generalized stability issues. But another issue is like methane off-gassing. Um, methane is like one of the worst, like, yeah. um, uh, okay. th there's not a ton of it in the atmosphere. Like CO2 is like obviously the bigger problem because there's so much more of it. But meth methane is more effective at trapping gases. So you have to be um, like conscious of the methane off-gassing. But there are ways to like capture that. And so is it is it trapping gases or is it trapping um, heat? I've never understood that. Like, is there a distinction, or is it the same? Um, I, I'm not sure about heat. I know that they trap the, the methane off-gassing from okay. when they're decomposing. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, I don't know. Oh. I don't know how would one trap heat. But... <laughs> you, don't, you don't know the inner workings of a dumpster pile or a dump or whatever. <laughs> no, I do not, uh, despite my, uh, my living in one for many years. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, no, um, I mean, it, it's, it's... I mean... No, what were you going to say? Where were you going to go? Um, I mean, like, I think, like, it's great. And, like, we can we can turn... I think, like, turning these dumps of the past into public parks is, like, a great way to use, like, the problem... Like, to, yeah, to change the yeah. problem we created. Um, but, like, what's the problem? What's the root problem? It's we're consuming too much, not reusing mm -hmm. enough. And, like, plastic is terrible. And there, it is recyclable. It's very expensive to recycle, and it all goes to China. And China's not particularly and interested then in plastic waste anymore. China throws it in the ocean and becomes the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. Yeah. yeah really? <laughs> um, but like, the, but there are like there, like, um, like was said earlier, we need to like shift to more more readily recyclable. Um, materials yeah. that and aren't so labor-intensive. I think uh, with with the landfill thing, I think that kind of illustrates like an issue with all you know environmental solutions for the most part is that there's going to be a, a negative externalities. Like you know, Jess was saying, you got to be careful mm -hmm. not to puncture it. You know, you're talking about the methane. You know, it's a solution and it solves the immediate problem of a giant pile of trash, which is not fun. <laughs> But, uh, it, you know, we're going to run into secondary issues. So, like, for example, with, like, plastic, we want to eliminate plastic. Um, there was a study done in, in California. Um, they looked at the effects of, uh, like, consumer behavior when they, uh, in certain stores, took out plastic bags and replaced them with canvas bags that you take. Mm -hmm. And um, at least on the energy front, the amount of energy it takes to produce one canvas bag was equivalent to, like, 20,000 plastic bags. But then there was the secondary effect that people weren't expecting. I mean, because they, they were like, oh, okay, the energy, you know, not a big of a deal. We can use solar. We can use wind. We can use hydro. You know, we can kind of supplant that. You can use nuclear, which is very clean, um, as opposed to, like, coal or, or, or um, oil, natural gas, things like that. Um, but what they didn't expect was actually they saw more plastic waste because people started using 
like dumpster bags. You know, uh, I had this talk with Jess when we moved in together because I came in with, you know, uh, at least a thousand <laughs> just random plastic bags with like Target and whatnot. Because that's how I take out my garbage is I throw it in there. And so I get two uses out of it. And I take it from the store and then, you know, throw it away. Um, whereas she had, you know, four, like the actual trash cans, like the little trash can bags. Uh, but that plastic is actually significantly thicker, so it creates more waste, you know, and people were, instead of reusing these these grocery bags, they were now going out and buying. So you saw this huge spike of that particular size of bag, which created more waste, which is like, okay, well, we solved one problem, which were all these plastic bags all over the place in our in our water and whatnot. But now we have more plastic bags in our dump. So it's like, okay, you know, what do we do? Do we do like the Aldi thing where it's like, bags are just you don't even bother with them or you know mm-hmm. so people are going back to the drawing board on that one because you know i personally love the aldi thing. oh the aldi <laughs> thing's great because you just go in and you're out <laughs> you know like, yeah. well, like yeah. the satisfaction of them having one of the you know carton boxes mm-hmm. and managing to fit all of your stuff in that one box perfectly yeah. is fantastic i mean and that and that does solve a lot of issues because then you can take it out and you can use it for your bonfire later you know <laughs> yeah Well, and I think one of the biggest problems is, like, the conflict between, like, societal values and perception of, you know, environmentalism and how we actually go about it. So, like, with the parks and, or the landfills becoming parks, like, that's a great thing. But also, to humans who, like, don't necessarily do research on it, it's like, oh, look, we we had a problem and we just covered it up. So it must be fixed now. It must be better. People don't really see those secondary effects. Or, you know, like, oh, yeah, I did use my reusable bags today, um, but they don't realize that it takes more energy to make them or that, or that you know, maybe all of a sudden they're buying more plastic water bottles, even though they're putting their plastic water bottles in a canvas bag. And I think there's a lot of, like, this just societal values that just conflict with, you know, we want what's easiest, what's quickest, what's most efficient. And a lot of times that's not what's best for the environment. Um, and especially in terms of big corporations, they oh, obviously yeah. want what's money efficient. And that's why plastic is so big because it's cheap to make and it's cheap to use. Um, and so it's so hard to be environmentally conscious and choose those items that don't have plastic because almost everything has plastic in it these days because it's so cheap and easy to use. And of course, as a consumer, we want what's we want something that's inexpensive. So it, it's a lot of these like societal values that really are just making it hard to, you know, help the environment. And that's something yeah. that just needs to completely change and people need to be more educated. And I think, um, it like, I think for, for something like this, when we are talking about how it is hard to be an environmentally conscious consumer, um, and we're talking about like the education, like how we have to educate the public. I think it's very important to not only like vote with our wallets and like like vote with our behavior and like buy those uh, reusable bags from Aldi and only use those. Um, it's also important to like vote pe- vote for people who will like implement these policies on a broader level because like I, Jake Germshide, can like wear a sweater in the house when I turn the heat down a little bit and like drive less and ride my bike more that's the biggest impact you can have on the environment and like use my reusable bag but like industries like it like like consumer um it's like it's a collective CO2 goods problem. like uh, emissions it, 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 it's not it's not like 
my CO2 isn't necessarily like the biggest, I'm not the biggest emitter. We are not the biggest emitter. The biggest emitter is like industry and transportation. Um, yeah. So I think like it is important to like look at this problem holistically um, and do what we can do personally, but then also fight for bigger, broader change. Right, because it's important. Yeah, and right? and and I mean, I think you're hitting the nail on the head here with with the idea of like, it's not just your emissions or whatever. You know, like when you when mm. you fart, it's like that's not the end of the world. You're not going to tear a hole in the ozone layer when you fart. But when you got like 50 billion cows farting, that might have a little bit of an effect, right? Because it's a collective action issue. Um, it is the you know, if you go into a political science classroom and you're discussing international cooperation or anything like that, or or even just national. Um, you're going to run into collective action issues. Uh, so climate change is like the one that is the poster child right now because, like I said, what you using one plastic bag and throwing it in the river isn't going to kill all the fish. Everyone doing that is a big problem. But if you are the only one that doesn't do that, you still have a huge problem. You can control your own behavior, but unless you band together with everyone in your local community or whatever, mm -hmm. then you're going to run into a lot of issues, which is why I think that, you know, Local action, I think, might be a very good, uh, very good tact here. And like, we could take like the Catholic view of subsidiarity, where you know, if you have a corporation polluting your area, get all of your buddies that live in that area and go protest or whatever. And if they don't listen, then you go to the state right. and get them, you know, and then you move up and up the chain until you can get that action taken care of. Because, like, if I want Coke to switch to like <laughs> glass bottles, the, the drink, plastic right? Bottles. Like I can buy like all the Mexican Coke I want and the Mexican Coke comes in the glass bottles and like, that's great. But like, even, but even if you pat, like use only Coke, only drink Coke from plastic bottles, like that's a negligible, negligible difference. The actual problem is Coke producing millions and millions of Coke bottles like every year mm. in plastic. Right. So I think it, we, this is a big level problem. We go, we have to go higher. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's um, what I'm saying is like, you got to, uh, and I mean, and the different issues will require different action. The only problem, mm -hmm. though, is when it comes to like, if we want to go high, you know, we go all the way to the international sectors. We see, you know, we see K Kyoto, we see Copenhagen, we see, I would argue, um, Paris Accords. It just, the soft power at play just doesn't seem to seem to function too well. Um, Ailey, are you familiar at all with any of these international um, agreements? No, sorry, not really. I tried to look at some of the links you sent, but they didn't sure. work for some reason. Oh, well, I'm I'm sorry about that. That's my bad. Then, um, uh, <laughs> I mean, I can go through those, and you know, I was about to get get into the research I was doing on on Kyoto because I have a particular bone to pick with how that one was set up. Um, but sure. a lot of the the, the the soft power just doesn't seem to be really effectual because it's kind of like don't do that or else we'll be really mad, and then they just go. Sounds good. You know, Soviet Union collapses and loses all their factories and their satellite nations, and they go, see, we reduced our emissions. And like, no, they're still there. You just don't control them anymore, <laughs> you know, or, or Canada counting all of their trees. So I mean, the way that they set up, I think, uh, it, you know, we could do a lot better. Um, I'm a national realist. I, I was hoping Ben would uh, pop in here so I could just talk realism with him. But, um, you know, returning, returning a little bit more to the national level, uh, I think looking at environmentalism holistically is definitely a good idea, particularly when it, I'm an energy policy expert, I would argue. Um, and if you take, let's say solar panels, right? I think you guys all familiar with solar panels and how they function? 
Um, yes. So one of the, <laughs> I figured most people would be. Uh, <laughs> one of the biggest issues with, with solar panels is, is how energy actually works. It's not like water in the sense that like, you put water in a pipe and it takes some time and it travels down. Energy moves instantaneously. So solar panels are great, real, like fantastic, at providing a very low amount of base energy consistently until night comes, you know, and then they, you know, there's no more sun. But um, same thing with windmills. They provide great amounts for very low cost, actually, once you look at like the actual upkeep cost and you take that in over, over a time span. But if you want to have a large amount of solar panels um, that provide a large amount of base energy, you run into a lot of problems with like ecosystems, for example, where you can destroy entire desert ecosystems by installing these solar panels. So having a very flexible energy grid um, is generally what we look for. But then you could run into the same thing that Texas ran into, where they had the flexible energy grid, they didn't winterize it at all, and then the you know the the windmills didn't yeah. get winterized they shut down then because those shut down you lost control of the oil stuff because you can't purify any oil anymore because it's dirty and nasty and you don't want to be pumping that in so then it's just a bunch of dominoes effects and then you have people starving <laughs> so you know it, it, you could do yeah. everything right and then if you do but, one thing wrong when it comes to energy in, in sense of like trying like, to care for the environment you catch it on fire So I don't know if you had something to say there, Jake. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, got going not, and then nothing. I just... It's a, snark, uh, you know. it's a snarky Texas comment. I mean, that's uh, fine. Everything's Texas bigger in Texas like their problems, but... We, we love Texas. <laughs> um, we love Texas, so we won't, we won't do that. Keep Austin weird, or whatever they say down there. I, I have no idea. Um, I don't know. I just know that well, they have like, big hats. Yeah. I think, the, yeah, the overall point is that, like, obviously the environment and everything is a very complex system, and so it is going to be, you know, one thing after the no another, and there is no perfect solution, but there are things that are better than others, um, so it's just making those small choices and looking at what are the consequences and um, realizing that our environment is very delicate and our ecosystem is very delicate, and um, there's a lot of things that just, like, can instantly throw off the animal kingdom and how that all works um so it's just recognizing that and that you're going i mean there are going to be consequences and sometimes that's not a bad thing sometimes you just sometimes it's better to have that consequence over what we had before yeah definitely um ailey i think you were uh you were in, uh informing me i did not actually know this about uh carbon capture with uh, no-till farming is that right yeah, um, I learned about that the other day. So, um, well, carbon capture in general, I think that's kind of a new thing. I'm not sure if they've actually started that, but um, that is more of, like, taking carbon from the atmosphere, capturing it into, like, some little box and, you know, burying it somewhere so it stayed out of the atmosphere. So it's a little short-term mm -hmm. solution. But with the no-till farming, and like, no-till farming, I've learned is just such, like, a great way of farming from um what i've learned so far i could be wrong but um basically like we've been doing this for so long like thousands of years like tilling the soil and it makes it so much easier um to like plant the seeds and mm -hmm. stuff and it makes it look cleaner and and everything like that but it, what it really does is it kind of like destroys the ecosystem in the soil you know there's all these little bugs and critters and worms and whatever like all these stuff in there and they all have this perfect balance, this beautiful ecosystem, and it keeps the soil healthy and it's like aerated. But then when you come in with this tilling machine, it just kind of separates it and it takes it so long to get back to normal. 
Um, so normally in a prairie that wouldn't um, have had been tilled in like however many years, it should have 12% organic material, 12% carbon in the soil. But when you till it for so many years, um, the one example that I was listening to this podcast, they were telling their farm for, it's a fifth generation farmer, so you know, a really long time, they had one to two percent of carbon in their soil, and they used all these herbicides and pesticides, and it was so much work for them, but then when they decided to start the no-tilling farming, they're back up, they're getting back up to 12 percent, and they don't need to use herbicides, they don't need to use pesticides, so overall it's just, it's a healthier way of doing it. it might not look the best and a lot of people called it lazy farming like other farmers because it didn't look very clean but it, it really is from what I've learned it's just such a beautiful way of farming because you're not disrupting the ecosystem it's less work you're getting more money um, like tw- I think 20% more uh, profit than other farmers who do is, do is the tilling. Like profit like per corn head or whatever uh corn yeah or yeah. is it like in general bushel per bushel yeah. yeah okay i don't i don't know all of these farm terms i'm like dave or dave For like jake head. said i'm from uh, batavia so i'm not a, i'm not a farmer like jess uh, my only... I don't know why, but I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna say Jake from State Farm. That's how, I don't that's know what why. he went for as a, in Halloween, I believe. I am wearing khakis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like my only my only question with that, and I'm familiar with with the negative effects of tilling, like through soil erosion, for example, and mm-hmm. uh, algae blooms killing whole you know, lakes and all the you know a whole bunch of extra uh, externalities that are that are pretty bad, I would say. My only question would be, uh, what's like the output? Does it significantly reduce the output? Does it stay relatively the same? Do you know? You know, um, like- it actually increases the output. Like it increases the amount of um, produce they can make. Okay. I'm not sure by what percentage, but it it does increase it. So they're you know they're making more money. They're having more yeah. produce. I mean, I'm just concerned with like feeding people. <laughs> you know, like it's, yeah, because if it's like, oh yeah, we're not going to till, but you know, we lose fifty percent of the arable land because we're not tilling and it's like you know what is the what is the effects there but if it's like 10 percent loss or even a gain like you were saying like that's great you know like that's that's even better um because i'm familiar with carbon capture in the sense of uh like co2 scrubbing on um like fracking plants which fracking obviously isn't the most environmentally friendly um but uh, and same thing with coal um in the way of like trying to reduce their emissions um as well as kind of like a, a solution there. Uh, but I think I was talking to you, Ailey, also about graphene as a, uh, as a store of carbon and using it as a building material and a superconductor and a whole bunch of other things. Jake, are you familiar at all with graphene? Um, generally, yeah. Okay, so do, do, yeah, do you think you know enough to talk about it? What you're alluding to, no, I don't. Okay. Um, so... um, no, but I'm happy to listen to you and I will probably, Sure, sure. I mean, if I get anything wrong, just correct me. Um, But uh, as far as I'm aware, graphene—you can have like a sheet of graphene, like it's—it's effectively like one molecule thin. So it's really, really thin stuff, and it can weigh as much of a cat as a cat. The sheet can weigh as much as a cat's whisker. That's how light it is. But it can support the weight of a cat. Like that's, and this has been just recently discovered um, as a way of like setting up the molecules in such a way that they form really, really tight and strong bonds. So it's functionally more strong than uh, uh, steel. Uh, you can build 
taller buildings out of it, obviously, than you can with steel. Obviously more functional than wood or plastic or anything else that we have access to at the moment. Um, as well as if you twist it in a certain way and you organize the atoms separately then from the building material, you can form a really good superconductor. Um, and that can be used in like computer chips as opposed to lithium batteries, so you don't have these giant lithium mines, or as a store of energy. So you can actually store energy long term instead of using, again, lithium batteries. Um, so it's like a really good solution. It's just, you know, we're, this is like the early, early days of it. It's like equivalent to flight. We're just at the point where the Wright brothers took off for 30 seconds, you know, like in, in research wise. But it is a very interesting thing because I was talking to some of my buddies in uh, my graduate program about this. And we're, we're, hype, hype, hype. we're talking about this in the future thinking that, you know, maybe we might actually run out of CO2 in the atmosphere to take out because we can scrub it, obviously, um, to create into this graphene. So we'd have to like pump CO2 in there and then take it out again or something like that, you know, some kind of weird tube thing. So just to make all this graphene, because we're just gonna, there's gonna be such a high demand for it for all these building materials and all this, you know, electronics and everything like that, that it's just gonna, you know, we'll have to go find carbon somewhere to build crap. Um, and, and like, we'll, I don't know, like cool the earth or something, you know, because we're just taking all of the CO2 out of the opposite. All, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll venture to say this. If we run out of carbon in the atmosphere, we'll be technico technologically advanced enough to go get it from uh, oh, like an sure. asteroid or something. <laughs> sure. Get it from elsewhere. Like that, I mean, think about, think about a world where we just we run out of CO2 in the atmosphere. We're like, Al Gore comes out. He's like 80 years old. He's like, we need to pump more CO2 in the atmosphere. It's going to freeze. <laughs> like, we're running out. We're going to be in another ice age. You know? He'll be the inconvenient truth part two. <laughs> that'll be uh, if, when Al Gore is eighty. That'll be twenty twenty eight. Okay. All right. Well, I don't know how old he is. I thought he was like fifty. He's <laughs> He must be nah. getting on in years then. Um, I mean, I guess he did release that video, and he looked rather old in like two thousand. Was it two thousand four? Is that? He was a vice president. He was Bill Clinton's vice president oh, in okay. the nineties. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. I, all, all I know is, is he's, a, he's in South Park. <laughs> so, but Alina, Alina, when you're uh, when you're thinking of the environment, what's your number one concern? Do you think? Like, let's do that. To, we'll we'll round out the conversation. Just going around with our number one concerns. Um, I definitely say plastic usage, and I poor polar bears. Too. I like polar bears. They're my friends. <laughs> this is my new friend. We're having soft tacos later. I, Sorry. I don't know if you'd want to have soft tacos <laughs> with polar bears, just based on their history of eating people. I don't know if they'd go over very well. No, no. They are adorable. Polar bear would be on his iceberg, all nice and happy and cool, and he'd be munching on his seal taco, and then I would be on a ship eating my normal ass taco. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Gluten free, though, right? Yes. Course, have my, my good as gluten free. <laughs> Ailey, what do you think? What's your uh, what's your number one concern? Um, that's hard because I feel like I'm concerned about a lot. But I think plastics something that I'm really concerned about, and also I don't know. I'm also been really concerned about sea level rise, mm -hmm. which is a whole different issue. But Jess, yeah. what do you think? Um, 
it's kind of broad, but I feel like just overall our rate of consumption is concerning. Just how much we in you know intake, buy, eat, use, how much energy we're using, that kind of thing is. I think overall it's just a bit it's excessive right now. <laughs> and then Jake. Um, yeah, I mean, I would agree. I think, um, oh, you were saying something? Go ahead. I just wanted to add to Jess's that how much we waste, too. Because, oh, God. Sorry, on on my screen, everyone just, like, disappeared. Uh, yeah, you froze on our screen, so (laughs) the CIA is taking down um, our stream again. Just how much people, (laughs) can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you just fine. Can you hear me all right? Yes. <laughs> yes, we can. Okay, then I'll just keep talking and it's fine. Um, we got to get James in okay. here to fix the stream. So, because, um, like, um, even just, um, like, for example, um, getting rid of leftover produce. Like, there's certain ones that don't go to the... Okay, it's bothering me, but it's okay. Um Like, if a tomato doesn't look good enough or it has, like, an extra little nub, it won't go to the store and it will be wasted in some way. Either that or the growers and sellers, they'll find another way to do it. I actually got an ad for a website that they specifically sell, like, fruits and vegetables that didn't meet the aesthetic for selling them. And so instead of selling a perfect little tomato, they would have the little tomatoes with the nubs or they would be kind of weird colored. And I'm like, that's good because then it's not going to waste. Um, But also like in the home disposing of like celery that went bad before you could eat it. My, My mom quite recently started a worm bucket where she has a tote that has these little, I think they're red worms in it, and they just eat all of the leftovers of the vegetables and eggshells, and they go in our compost pile that goes into our garden, and it's wonderful. And I love them. They're my friends as well. (laughs) And I do share my leftover tacos with them. Sure. In terms of the aesthetic produce, you can blame Patrick for that problem, because the other day we spent like seven minutes in the store looking for the perfect shaped potato, they were all too I, fat. I wasn't we looking, looking for, for a perfect shaped potato. I wanted a big potato to eat. They're all like this big. <laughs> this, I'm an Irishman. We need big potato. Okay. <laughs> you need to come to my garden in the fall then because we get some big I know, old we've potatoes got, we've got in two there. Whole, we got two whole buckets of potatoes that we're growing. So we're going to get some big ones. Good. So, like, but I, I was like going mm. through because they're all like little dinky ones. So I was like, I want a potato for a big potato. So I'm going to try to find one that is big enough that I can eat for a baked potato, but apparently that was not not okay with Jess. But no. she's totally fine with looking 20 minutes for butter, so. You thought they were too oval. No, they were just too oh small. Oh my God. Anyway, Jake. <laughs> anyway, what is Jake's us. concern? Yeah, save me. <laughs> yes. On to Jake. Safe um, No, my, my, my biggest environmental concern is definitely um, the different <laughs> types and shapes of potatoes. Um, no. Uh, um, I think um, I'm going to go a little bit broader. I think um, my biggest concern is still just how carbon intense like modern human life is. And with like a a large swath of the world still uh, modernizing, 
just we're going to be incre incre increasing the overall use and uh, of um, fossil fuels in our in our carbon production. And like, while our while our personal choices matter, there are a lot of things that are out of the uh, in like the individual consumer's hands. I think like the most carbon intense thing you do is drive. Like transportation mm -hmm. accounts for like thirty percent of the U.S.'s um, carbon um, carbon output, and like I think residential just carbon output is about ten percent or maybe even less than. Um, so like, what can we do uh, on a transportation level? We can like ride our bike to Aldi and use our like little plastic bag rather than drive. Um, and like, that's important. We can drive less, drive different, more fuel efficient cars. Um, but also we have to like, bigger than that, we have to like build our cities in a more efficient way. Smaller cities with better transit are way more carbon efficient. You look at like Atlanta versus like a European city and it's massively more carbon efficient, massively more energy efficient. And I think we just need to, you know, focus on ourselves and like what we can do, but also like think bigger and make like the societal structural change um, we need. Yeah, it, it, it is not. We are not without hope. No, I, and I, I don't I don't think that we are. Um, I mean, I, I think I'm glad you brought up the whole city thing. I was. I had this on the back burner, but I hadn't bothered to bring it up just yet. But um, the 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 heat island or the urban heat island. I don't know if you're familiar with this at all, but basically, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. cities because of how they're function. Uh, there's so many more buildings. They they uh, take in a lot more heat, and this actually does negatively impact um, like lower lower classes. Um, you know, uh, mm -hmm. people of color and things of that nature. Um, significantly more than you than you would expect, like middle class or upper class. So that's why we might not hear about it so much um, so often because you know it doesn't affect us. So we don't talk about it um, because uh, places without green spaces tend to see a larger heat sink than uh, other places, and this leads to like lower uh, you know health outcomes, lower intelligence outcomes, a whole bunch of things. So I definitely think structuring our cities a little bit different might be fairly beneficial. Um, I think what I would say is my biggest environmental concern is not necessarily has anything to do with the environment, but the conversations that we seem to be having, uh, you know, in the news media and things of that nature, it seems to be very uh, accusatory and very aggressive, whereas we could just, you know, all sit down and just discuss different ideas like we did today. And I think that that's a lot more positive, a lot more uh, progressive uh, going forward and coming up with all these new ideas and discussing new technologies. So if you guys are okay with ending here, that was great. Thank you guys so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, I know Alina had a great time uh, hosting as well, um, and so did Jess, I'm sure as well. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if she's confident with me calling her a host just yet, but we will see that next week when her and Alina take the reins away from the men. The men are going to be gone. You do not have to listen to me or James speak for a whole week at least. We might not even come back depending on how well Alina and Jess do. They will be having a wine. Yeah, so you know it'll be the best episode yet. It will be. It will be the most highly rated episode we have seen so far. Uh, we will have Alina, Jess, Ailey, and a few other special guests coming on to discuss wine. They will be discussing wine all week. So if you guys are at all interested in wine, please do tune in. Like and subscribe and support the ladies as well as support the entire channel and the whole operation we got going on here at Nightmare Media. Thank you guys so much for coming on, and uh, I will see you all later.